0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to D3 Glory Days on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. I'm Noah, that's Stu, and we're here with our Nationals Preview Podcast. We're in your podcast feed for the second time this week, and we'll be dropping a little bit of a regionals recap and then national meat predictions. But before we get into that, a few things to update you on. If you kind of want to follow along, there's a great National Meat Preview article written by Stu and Emily Richards, That's available on our website, www.d3glorydays.com. Pull that up, follow along with the episode. There's some great information there. Along with the National Meet comes National Meet merch. Maybe you picked up a sweater or a t-shirt last year when we launched it. All that information is also going to be on www.d3glorydays.com or available in the show notes. Below, You can check that out. Um, By the time this is in your podcast feed, Stu and I are going to be getting ready to fly to Indianapolis, where we will be broadcasting the meet live on NCAA.com. So we will not be on site in person, but we will be broadcasting the meet much as we have the last two track national championships. So we will have some photographers on site. Athletes, if someone comes up and asks you for an interview, they're probably with us. So please oblige them. And uh yeah, that's that's about it for me. Uh Stu.
1: We're back again with another preview episode. It seems to be a new theme for us before every national meet. And happy that Emily got to join us as well as we talk through as we talk through what we think is gonna happen. No matter what, it's gonna be a great meet. It's been a great season so far. And we're excited to see what goes down in Lansing. Michigan here on Saturday expect the unexpected. That's all I'm going to say in my theory of what could happen
0: so welcome Amy Richards, a valued D3 glory days team member on board for this episode she'll be offering her insights along alongside us which is really cool. Happy to have her sit back relax. I'll be back on the other side of the episode and we'll talk to you again on Saturday. Here's to the glory days Okay, the brain trust of D3 Glory Days is officially assembled. I'm joined here in the D3 Glory Days studio in the D3 Glory Days mansion
1: by Stu and Emily. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Just came back from a bocce game and we won, so vibes are good. Vibes are good. Emily, how are
0: you?
2: Doing well, Noah. Thanks for having me on. Just got back from endless soup salad breadsticks at Olive Garden. So. All
0: right, so we had and I had ramen noodles for dinner. So we've got bocce, we've got Olive Garden, and we have homemade ramen noodles. The vibes are high at D3 Glory Days. So the national meet is coming up this weekend in Lansing, Michigan. We've assembled the team to give the listeners here a nice overview of what to expect, but also background on the season. Not everyone follows along the cross country season probably as closely as those on the D3 Glory Days team does and so let's give people a little bit of insight into kind of what what's happened so far let's start at the regional meet the most recent cross-country races that happened in division three those were last week Stu, if you want to maybe start on the women's side and give us some some storylines that that really stuck out to you from this weekend
1: yeah one thing that i was curious about and we've been kind of talking about that at length here was the Carlton women up north taking on St. Olaf and Wisconsin lacrosse. The big thing that still is concerning for them is their one through five spread, but they're able to overcome it by having four women in the top 10. So, you know, it kind of cancels out when you have a big spread, when you have four women in the top 10, led by Claire Mayfield finishing second. So they're a dark horse right now. We wrote about them in, in the preview article. They're not in... The top four right now, they're not projected to get a trophy, but it's gonna be cold. They train in Minnesota. They've been moving up the entire way of the season. They had that close encounter with Sunge and I'm intrigued by Carlton and I think they are someone to watch. Am I gonna pick them? Not sure, but
0: you'll yeah, have to wait Carleton. till later later in the episode to find out Stu's picks. <laughs> Um, Emily, before you give us your impressions for regionals, why don't you kind of talk about regionals as like a concept, you know, the, the powerhouse teams are really just ticking the box and qualifying the best individuals are just kind of trying to coast through for the most part. So how much do you think you can really take away from regional meat performances and apply it to like national meat predictions?
2: Mm, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, obviously it's the nation's split in- 10. So, you know, some are not as strong as others, and some prepare you better than others. Uh, for example, you know, the Midwest is super competitive. You've got, on the women's side, uh, since that's what we're talking about kind of right now, Warburg, UChicago, Wash U, uh It's kind of a national preview region, whereas, you know, you go over to the metro region, and Widener just made their first national meet ever. So there's just a, a big disparity in competition from the regional meet. And then, you know, they all come together at the end. So,
0: So who who do you think is the best team, like the most talented team that had the easiest path to nationals?
2: I would answer that with uh, SUNY Geneseo. So I'd say the Niagara region is one that I feel like just doesn't advance more than one. So, you know, talking about storylines, NYU having a really great season, taking two out of the the Niagara region from the women's side, uh, SUNY Geneseo and NYU. So, they were, they didn't get as easy of a win this time having NYU there as competition, but SUNY Geneseo is just, you know, kind of on another level there in contention for, you know, a national title this year. So um, I, it looks like they took that win pretty easily.
0: Stu, how much are you factoring in regional results into your national meet predictions?
1: I think you got to take it with a grain of salt and kind of see where teams finish, you know, Regionals can definitely be a big momentum booster for teams. You know, you run well, especially if the conference meet didn't go well. It also can kind of derail you in a way. Like, you get that emotional high from such a good finish, and you have to quickly rebound and run the national meet, you know, a week later. You know, these West Coast teams kind of got the unfair stick a little bit. Yeah, they get to run in nice weather throughout the entire year, at least the California schools do. But that's a tough ask for Pomona, the Texas schools, CMS to fly to Washington and now have to fly to the national meet. I don't know how much that will affect them. It sounds like when we talked with Lucas Floorsheim, he seems pretty recovered from it. But you can put stock into the regionals, but also when it comes on to the national meet, anything can happen. And so it's it's kind of hard to get very decisive facts from it, but you can get better understanding of teams if that makes sense at all.
0: Makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that, Stu. So for powerhouse teams, the best case scenario is there there are no surprises. Like regionals should be boring, right? Emily, was there anything that surprised you coming out of the regional meet weekend?
2: Yeah. So I was coaching down at the, or I guess up rather, at the Great Lakes. Um regional meet where um john carroll woman women um pulled off an upset over hope hope kind of came in to that region as a favorite and they actually got third so john carroll woman and calvin both beat um hope the kind of number one seat in that region there Um, so that was like a very uh immediate um upset that i got to witness firsthand but then looking at results from across the country you know there are a couple things that i think were a little surprising Williams' men had a great meet. They uh, beat RPI, uh, which was a really big deal. Um, I don't think this was really an upset, but Warburg women beat Chicago. I think they're pretty evenly matched squads, and they've got one win now each against each other, so that's going to be an insane matchup uh, this coming week.
0: This is for either of you, but were there any big names – missing from regional results? Like were there any surprise injuries or untimely illnesses that kept anybody that you were watching out of regionals and may impact nationals for them?
1: I saw when we were doing this, the recap article of the regional meet Emily Concus from Wash U. She wasn't in the mix. She was runner up at UAAs, you know, you put you plug her in and maybe take out their fifth runner and they close the gap on Warburg in Chicago. It doesn't change the way that they were third, but it at least gets them closer into the hunt. And it's looks like we're not going to see Claudia Harnett from Chicago. There's still one more race to go, but their indoor all-American is yet to be seen this season. So we can hold out hope for one more, one more meet for her, but it doesn't like she'll come back for Chicago.
2: We you also uh, had a conversation with uh, Lucas Forsheim, who kind of talked about their, their lineup, uh, regional is being a little different than the lineup they're racing at at nationals. So Jack Rosencrantz didn't run at the West regional, but um, according to Lucas, we'll be back on the start line this coming week. So Pomona Pitts are enough that we can probably pull off a victory without him, but he definitely adds um, some experience and some talent and ability to that lineup as well.
0: Yeah. That's kind of a crazy thing about cross countries that lineups can change for qualified teams. And so the, the group of seven that you see, um, at a conference or a regional meet may not actually be the group of seven that shows up and some teams may have you know a heavy hitter who's been on the sidelines maybe a little banged up and they actually get back in time for nationals and so those are always kind of fun storylines to follow as well so yeah, so that's, the, that's a regional meet. So I, I think that's kind of a fun place to start just because it's the most recent time we've had a chance to see all these teams. But I think heading into the national meet, you also want to zoom out a little bit and get a better idea of how the season has panned out as a whole. And so, Stu, are you trying to jump in?
1: I was going to say one thing before we move on is we got to give some yeah. shout outs to some of the first-time qualifiers. Madison Lowry of Pfeiffer, Made it for the first time ever for their program. Ruby Krasno from Clark qualified for the first time ever for their program. Braden. Almstead from Milliken on the men's side qualified for the first time as a guy for Milliken. And then we had some uh, a few teams qualify for the first time. George Fox, both programs ever, and Widner. Uh, qualified for the first time Laura's first time in 25 years as a team on the women's side. So in 20 years for Khan college as well. So a lot of new teams kind of coming into the mix here, which is exciting to see.
0: Did I see a men's team qualify three individuals, but not make it as a team.
2: Wilmington, Wilmington college. Yes. That was at the great lakes. They got,
0: that's a crazy stat, right? You get three yeah. individual qualifiers, but not the full team.
1: On that note, Noah Tobin, George Rickett, their teammate Simon Hayes DM'd us about them. Noah Tobin in high school was a 1642 guy, 453 Miler. George Rickett was a 1055 two miler, 456 miler. And now they are going to the national meet for the first time.
0: Yeah, I kind of want to like score the meet through the top three just to see how those guys <laughs> how those guys would have, you know, stacked up. That would be kind of interesting to do just to give them a bit of a shout out afterwards. You have to get a better idea of how the season unfolded kind of as a whole. So you see everything in kind of a a collective way. And we don't have to get too far into the weeds here before we get into the prediction part of this show. But Stu, what, what are some things that kind of evolved and came on your radar as the season progressed that maybe you hadn't been thinking about before the season started.
1: Yeah. I think there's a few teams that really caught your eye and, and I guess we should have talked about the West region when we talked about the regional, but this kind of goes into it here. This is the first time that the West region gets nine teams total out. This is the first time they've ever qualified five women's teams out of the West region. Three was the previous high and four equals what the previous high was for the men. So Overall nine teams from the West, it kind of really shows what the West has done over the years. I mean, George Fox, the first time they've qualified both programs and they really, they've had some strong individual performances, but now to see them kind of put it all together and I know they are missing Peter Weiss one of their top runners, but it's good to see newer programs coming up in the West coast, getting some love. I know last year they weren't too happy with maybe under ranking some of those teams, but now they're getting five and to to for the women, at least they get Colorado college, Pomona Pitzer, CMS, George Fox, and UC Santa Cruz. And it's the same four, but take out Colorado college on the men's side. So pretty interesting stuff. And this is actually the first time, I've also got a stat here from uh, a a reader saying that this is the first time since 2015 that a for the school from the Northwest Conference has qualified. So having seen someone from the Northwest Conference here at the National Meet. So all in all, I'll say the rise of the West is good to see. They're getting the respect they deserve this year and excited to see what they can do as a whole at Nationals
0: same question for you emily is there anything that kind of came on your radar in an unexpected way this season
2: yeah i feel like those of you who've been following along some of my writing can tell like which teams i'm really excited about (laughs) i tend to cover them a little bit more and one of the teams that i've covered a lot and that i think has kind of a cool storyline this year is uh, north central men
0: Yeah. I was just going to ask about them 15th last year at nationals, I think. And now going in rank, did you rank them third?
2: Yeah. I I think we have them as a a number three ranking right now. Um, gosh, they just kind of exploded onto the scene early on, which I don't think anyone was really expecting after their 15th place place finish last year. And they also didn't qualify a single distance male to the indoor or outdoor track meet. Um, so nobody Yeah, really that's a that's a crazy stats.
0: stat right
2: right yeah um, and yeah you i think everyone you know if you're in division three cross country and especially on the men's side you know north central because they've been so dominant uh, i've actually i've got their their national history up right now and since like 1980 they've only had four finishes outside of the top five and most of those are like first and second place finishes. So that 15th place was kind of a low blow for them. And the last time they finished that low was in 2007. They, they were 16th. And then they went on a rampage where they were, you know, top one or two for the next decade plus. So kind of cool to see them open up the season with uh, a surprising win uh, at the, the Michigan meet um, above Johns Hopkins and John Carroll, who was a podium team last year. Um, and then they kind of carried that momentum, um, just came off of a big regional win against Berg this past weekend. So, um, that's a team I'm really excited to watch this weekend.
1: And given the, the rise right now in, in D3, you'd expect, you know, someone from North Central to have like one of these crazy 5k times you saw last season, Max Aventi was their top 5k guy outdoor track. And he comes in with 1437, which obviously is good, but you know doesn't make the national meet, isn't in these crazy 14, 20 type times. And they only had four guys under 15 minutes, one right at 15 minutes. You compare that with Pomona Pitzer who had 16 18. guys. Yeah. 18 was it guys. 16 or,
0: yeah. That's, there was that's a lot of crazy. Lot. That's the craziest stat I've like ever heard is that they had 18 guys under 15.
1: Yeah. And the, and North central is right in the mix with them. And they only had four. Um, I mean, they got beat kind of good at, Augustana, but still to be in the top three right now. I mean having four guys under meet and you, you know, you want that. But to your point, Emily, they really burst in the scene and had it must have had a really good summer to kind of make up for what North Central teams used to have back in the day.
0: As we inch closer towards predictions, I'm giving you guys one last opportunity. Stu, do you have anything else impressions from this season?
1: Yeah, another which we kind of touched on it briefly there from the Niagara region, NYU kind of coming out of nowhere in a sense, you know, they were eighth in the region last year, and now they can have the potential to be a top 20 team. At least we believe they could be. And so, you know, a lot of that has to do with they had a nice, a few key transfers. They had a freshman Vivian Kane really step up. She won the Con college invite. So it's good to see you know, another team kind of come out of the woodwork in a way they haven't been to the national meet since 24. 14, I want to say 2013, one of those dates where they finished sixth in the nation. So they went from sixth in the nation to eight or nine years of not making it. And so definitely a quick turnaround in that program. I believe the new coach there is Tyler Shipley, and he has righted the ship or whatever that saying is, or turned the ship around under his guidance. So cool to see there. And and I, you know, I don't think we're done seeing NYU anytime soon.
0: You kind of got into what I was going to use as the next question. I was curious if there were any coaches who really caught your guys' eye this season, maybe coaches that people won't be super familiar with. Emily, was there anybody that kind of caught your eye this season as a new coach on
2: the scene? Uh, Yeah, you had a a couple of of changes in coaching staff this year. and. You know, apparently I love to talk about North Central, but that was one. You just saw Frank Grammaroso leave that program and, um, you know, they're having some staffing changes. Um, The other one that's a little closer to home for me is Calvin. So, you know, Coach Deemer just left there and and they have a new coach this year and um, both those teams made to nationals. So, yeah, so really cool to see that program, you know, continue to have success under um, new coach Nicole Kramer.
0: Stu, any coaches that really caught your eye this season?
1: Yeah, you know, similarly, when legendary coaches retire, you're, I think those new coaches are definitely under the microscope. And Riley McCone, ah, uh, from MIT, he was one of the main distance assistants while Halson Taylor was still there, and so he was familiar with the program. But this is his first year taking the reins of the program as a whole for cross country, and you kind of see the shift in racing strategy that mit now deploys they used to go out really hard and and see if they could hang on and now it looks like they're moving up throughout the race running together as a team i mean just look at the east regional results with mit and you can see that fingerprint kind of all over the team right now uh more so maybe on the men's side the women's side still likes to move up as well but the men's pack is going to be very dangerous right now and they probably threaten they're the biggest threat I'd say to Pomona Pitzer. At regionals, they went two, three, four, five, seven, eight, and they're all separated by nine seconds. So six guys there separated by nine seconds. You do that in a national meet, and you're sitting pretty. So it depends where they finish, obviously, but they have some firepower for sure.
0: Okay. The moment everyone has been waiting for as they have anxiously listened while we banter through this episode national meat prediction time so we'll start with which race is first the women's race is first the women's race is first in lansing michigan so we're we'll start with our women's predictions we'll go individual and then team Stu, do you want to kick it off
1: Wow, I'd be honored to kick it off. I'm blanking on what my predictions were when we did this a long time or what, three weeks ago, maybe? So I'm going to throw that out the window. We'll start with the individuals. No question about it. Cassie Parker takes home the victory. And that's not to say there's pressure on her by any means, but she's head and shoulders better than everyone else right now and, and running very confidently. And, you know, I think she's got some goals that she wants to take care of this week. She just missed. The championship record last year, and I think she's trying to go for it again this year. However, this year's gonna be a little bit colder, so we'll see what how that affects anything. And that's one thing, too, where the weather right now is a high of 26, so it's gotten colder since they initially no, it's gotten a little bit warmer. I think it was 22 degrees, right? So still pretty cold. And we were talking this on the Contenders episode kind of levels the playing field in a way because it's just, it's an extreme cold. It doesn't really favor one or the other. Everyone's got to deal with this you know crappy weather. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Number two, apologies to Annika Urban on the last time we did this. We completely forgot about you. And the only reason that we forgot is because you didn't go to one of those big regionals. So you weren't top of mind, but you should have been because we had you on the pod for your big win at Paul short, and she's continued to win the rest of the way. I think she has the best chance at taking down Cassie Parker. She's run really well, and she has a lot of confidence and having fun with her running. So that's my number two, Annika urban number three, Fiona Smith. She's been running lights out. The only D three athlete to beat her this year has been Cassie Parker. And that was only one time. So she's looking really good. She's taken down Clara Mayfield a few times as well, which when you can take down another All-American, you know you're having a good season. So Cassie Parker, Annika Urban, Fiona Smith coming in at four. They have a team battle at stake right now. I'm going to go with Aubrey Fisher from Warburg. And then coming in at number five, again, big team points at stake, Kathleen McCary from Senior Geneseo.
0: And then we'll come back for teams after this round is over. But Emily, who are your top five individual names for the Women's National Championship?
2: Yeah, I definitely concur with Stu for the the top three there. I think those three are on a different level than everyone else. And even on different levels than each other, you know, Parker is running in her own and is definitely going (laughs) to win the title. Like it's just someone that's really hard to bet against. Um, Urban has had a really good season. She's the only one um, with a true winning record. Um, Cassie Parker had one loss to her own teammate early in the season. So Urban uh, is the only one who has won every single race she's won this year. So uh, we'll see if she can keep that record alive. Probably not, She'll probably have to take the two, but <laughs> I think she's she's a lock for two. Uh, Smith is having a really good season. She's, she's just consistently really good. Um, I have her three. Alex Frost is my pick for four from Johns Hopkins. I think she's had a really good season. She stepped up really well after, um, you know, Hopkins. I uh, graduated Ella Barron, um, who was ninth last year. And then fifth, I'm going to go Batetti from MS.
0: All right, my turn. Cassie Parker is going to win. She's just going to run so aggressive. She's not really super concerned about team implications. And so she can just go off. And I don't think anyone's really going to even try to run with. I know her team is there, but you know, she's after individual glory for sure. Fiona Smith, the only one who's hung with her for very long is going to be in second. She's due. Let's see. I've got Batetti from CMS in three, she just seems so relaxed in her pre-race interview. There's no way she's further back than third. Stu's just cracking up. Stu, Stu hates uh, my picks.
1: No, I love it. It's a great... It's a, she. Everyone, if you listen to anyone on the Contenders episode, you should listen to all of them. But I think she shares so much wisdom and advice for other runners to listen to. Granted, easier said than done, but go listen to it. She shares enlightenment with you and how to be calm before your race
0: but teddy in third we are going to go with annika urban in fourth and then aubrey fisher whose only d3 loss has been to parker is going to be your fifth place finisher
1: wow so pre- pretty even you know some names that p- could potentially be out there that we missed could include jenna gerard meredith bloss from cms anna tucker Clara Mayfield, I think is the biggest snub from our five. She could definitely be up there as well. You know, looking at the list from last year we returned four from the top 10, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So nine total from the top 15 return for the women. And that's similar to the men's side, 10 out of the top 15 come back, including four of the top five. So a little segue there for the men, but do you want to do teams first or go to the men individuals? Noah, how are we doing this?
0: Well, while we have you here, Stu, let's let's finish up the women's side and do and do team predictions.
1: This has been something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, only because I came out last year and I guaranteed a SUNY Geneseo win after they return all seven. Writing up some of these previews, it's going to be insane. Warburg, Chicago, SUNY Geneseo, it's super hard to pick out of them because we're looking at it U Chicago lost to Warburg with a 14 second spread and they had their entire top five in the the top 20. You can't really like, how do you, how do you give a recommendation to, to do better? You really, you can't. So they're separated by, you know, the slimmest of margins. Then you have senior geneseo who arguably hasn't really been challenged this year. They beat Johns Hopkins early in the season. And then from there, they've kind of stayed in their home meets. They've only faced off against teams that aren't in the top 20, except for Carlton when they gave him a little scare, but Windsor Ardner wasn't in there. And I think out of the top three teams, Senior Geneseo has the best two right now from Kathleen McCary and Windsor Ardner. And for that reason, I'm a man of my word. I said I guaranteed a victory last year. A full year ago, I guaranteed a victory from Senior Geneseo. And I'm sticking with it. Come on, you Knights.
0: All right, Stu, round out the rest of your trophy contenders, and then maybe an honorable mention dark horse.
1: Oh, we love an honorable mention dark horse. All right, one,
0: one dark horse, because I know gonna you're gonna in. rattle, you're gonna rattle off like six schools.
1: Just wait to the b- live stream; is just gonna be off to <laughs> everyone's got a chance. This one's so hard judging it. You know, I it's a toss up between Warburg and Chicago, and we love a good rubber match. We're going Chicago, taking it. Number two, Claudia Harnett maybe comes out of nowhere and runs for them. Who knows? I'm holding out hope. Warburg three, and I can't count out Johns Hopkins. They're going to go four. So kind of very similar to what the current top four is, I think, right now. To recap, Geneseo, Chicago, Warburg, Hopkins, and then my honorable mention, and I would not be surprised, I have two, would be CMS and Carlton.
0: You said one.
1: I find CMS. 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 Is I find CMS.
0: CMS. That's it. You're locked in. Moving on to Emily. Who are you handing trophies to on Saturday?
2: Yes. Dude did a really good job uh, kind of giving some analysis of all those teams. But I mean, really you need like a three-sided coin and just flip it. <laughs> They're all so evenly matched. I've stayed pretty loyal to my U Chicago girls all all season. So I think I'm gonna pick them for the win. The fact that they have accomplished all that they have without Harnet is super impressive. And that just is, is a testament to the strength of that team right now. So I'm gonna pick you Chicago. I'm gonna go Warburg for a very narrow runner-up. I think it'll be really, really close. And then I think Geneseo in third. And I'm really torn on number four. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm gonna to stick to the D3 glory days post interregional weekend rankings. <laughs> I like give it to CMS for four. Hoping that you know the cold is ain't nothing but a thing <laughs> to them, <laughs> and they can still pull off a podium finish. Um, but then dark horse pick, uh, like Sue said, Johns Hopkins. Don't count them out, even though it's kind of kind of a down year. They graduated four members from their national team from last year, so they return fewer than they lost um which has been kind of problematic problematic for them this year but that program is still really solid and i think you know could easily make it onto the podium
0: all right let's see i'm pretty long with emily 1 2 you chicago wartburg number 3 since i snubbed mayfield in the individual picks i'm got, i've got carlton in and number 3 cms moves up one spot from fifth to fourth and then dark horse Williams on the women's side.
1: I also want to. I like that. I also want to say. I put this in the article. Washu, Washu always shows up at the national meet. Their men's indoor team came out of nowhere. So this is they won. that's
0: this is now your third dark horse pick. <laughs> uh, just like for those keeping track at home, Stu has now named three dark horses. It, Listen, so we're,
1: we're you're, you're ruining everyone. the
0: you're ruining the predictions. <laughs> it's okay to snub somebody. <laughs>
1: Well, I want to make sure I can get a soundbite so that way I can, I can play it off. You know, it's like, oh, Stu called it. That's he's really a, damn no ge- he's a damn genius. <laughs> Let me list off seven more teams for you, just in case.
0: <laughs> okay, Stu, if you have anything else to say, you can say it, but I'm moving on to the men. That's fine. Cool. That wraps up the D3 Glory Days women's side predictions. Now we move on to the men's race and we're back with your favorite host, Stu Newstat, who will give us our top five contenders with no dark horse picks
1: why do i always have to go first so let me first by say that we return four out of the top five which is pretty cool so talking to elias he's super fired up about that and i think it's just be a great race like everyone you know they might have some vendettas against each other who knows or they're friends it sounds like everyone like likes each other in this division but to be able to go up against the best of the best still is is pretty cool so Looking forward to that. How do you call a race like this? It's Elias is healthy. He's running really well compared to last year when he was a little banged up. And he's probably closer to his third, his sub 14 minute 5k than he's probably since that day. So it's, it's interesting to see what he can do. Alex Phillip hasn't really been contested yet this year and he's running away with it. I think it's going to be a kick finish again. And Alex Phillip repeats as champion. He gets him by even a narrower of a margin over Elias, Elias. The second Christopher Collette, third Graham Tui He comes out of nowhere finishes Interesting. fourth. Interesting. It, it, you'll see why he finishes fourth and then fifth Christian Patska, Emily.
2: Mm, yeah. Those are good picks.
1: And I missed so many too. So, you know, could be a great race. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited for the Lingren philip matchup uh, again. Um, I wrote about it a bit in the preview, but uh, you saw Lindgren kind of challenged Philip twice last year. He did it in the Outdoor 10K. He did it at Cross Nationals and fell short both times. We saw this storyline kind of happen with Ari Marks and Cassie Parker. Ari Marks kept, you know, going for it, going for the challenge, and eventually it paid off for her in the outdoor season. So I think Lindgren's kind of got the best chance of taking down Phillip if anyone can. But I still have Phillip for the win. Loyal to my OAC roots here. And then I'm going to go Lindgren, runner-up, Christopher Collett, third. Ooh, four or five is tough. <laughs> I'm going to put Patska fourth because I'd love to see another kick to the finish between Collett and Patska, like the outdoor steeplechase. And then five, I'm going to go Matt Leckie from RPI.
1: Nice.
0: All right, my picks for top five. We should probably have been doing these in ascending order, but that would have made it more fun. But we've already made this bed, so anyway, your national champion in 2022 is going to be Elias Lindgren. This guy is not going to lose. He's been training. He trained in Boulder. He's ready. (laughs) Last year, last year he showed up and almost won after not running for two weeks before the national meet, and he's healthy and he's motivated. He's gonna win. I do think Alex Phillip is gonna be very close, and I think the two of them will be well ahead of the field. Like nobody in the rear view mirror between those two. It's gonna be a heavyweight match. Patska third, Kirkpatrick from Pomona in fourth. I think uh I think some of the warm weather warm weather guys are gonna run well. Um, and then I have Christopher Collette in fifth.
2: Nice. So you know it really grinds my gears what we've been, we've been staying up you know really late every night writing these writing these articles and like really <laughs> getting into the details and like we have a really good heartbeat on like what's going on at d3 and noah comes in here with these like super hot takes and is probably going to be more correct than we are yeah
0: i'm gonna cr- i'm gonna crush you guys it's a gut thing it's not necessarily about crunching the numbers <laughs> see you you're the brains of of the d three glory days like organism, and I'm the soul
1: that's true <laughs> that's true.
0: <laughs> Moving on to teams, Stu, who are you handing those trophies out to and one dark horse?
1: All right, I'll keep it to one. Well, a quick little note here from one of our listeners he emailed in and asked will we see someone approach North Central's seven All-Americans from 2009? Pomona had six last year. MIT had five as well, 11. So a quarter of the field of All-Americans went to two different teams. And that's going to be the same battle again this year. I've been team Pomona-Pitzer all year. I didn't let anything affect that. Not even MIT's nine-second gap, one through six, and not their second gap between one through four. Is MIT very good? Yes. But how can you bet against a team that has 18, whatever that number was, it was between 16 and 18. So 16, 17, or 18 guys who went sub 15 in the 5K. It's too hard. It's too hard to bet against that. You bet against that, you're crazy. But you're not that crazy because MIT is very good. Pomona Pitzer over MIT last year, Pomona Pitzer won by 32 points. I think they win by under 16 points this year, under 16. That's the over under 16, 16 and a half. We'll go. The line is set at 16 and a half points. uh, The separation between Pomona and MIT Pomona comes out on top. Why did I put two guys from Williams in the top five? Well, they're going to be third. (sighs) That's why. They had the recipe. They did it last year. They put two in the top five. They get their freshmen to be in the top 20. And then the role players make sure they're getting tied to the top 70, top 80, and boom. That's a third place team. Fourth is where I really struggle, though. This is where I really struggle. North Central, hot. Warburg running well. RPI, starting to run well. Whitewater, just upset lacrosse. A lot of teams to choose. But what I say, I'm going to go with. I'm going with my gut from early in the season. RPI fourth, book it. There you I'm have it. MIT Williams R- RPI. We love depth on this podcast, and RPI also has depth.
0: Did you give your dark horse?
1: Dark horse for five.
0: It, well, dark horse to be clear isn't necessarily who you think is going to finish fifth. It's who could upset your top four.
1: Yeah, North Central, and Whitewater. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, you're that. That strike you one more, one more outburst like that, and you're off the show forever. So it'll just be. I hand the reins over. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Emily. Who's the top four? And one, a single, solitary dark horse.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, my top two is the same, Pomona Pitzer. Then MIT. Yeah, the margin could be. The uh, elusive number of guys under 15 that Pomona had. 16 and a half, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> um, It was 18. So, yeah, Pomona-Pitzer, MIT. Uh, I'm staying loyal to my North Central guys. I have them third. And then I know Williams just beat RPI at regionals. But I'm going to pick RPI for fourth. And then Williams will be my Dark Horse pick. Let's hear your... Uh just boiling hot take here, Noah.
0: No, my my take is, is is pretty tame in comparison to yours, but I am gonna give MIT the nod over Pomona for the win. I think weather is gonna play a factor. I know that some of the Pomona guys are cold weather guys, but MIT it, it takes a little conditioning to perform well in the cold. And um, you know, I just think MIT they're probably a little a little more prepared for it. So, I'm giving I'm giving it to them. Pomona 2nd, Third North Central will not be denied a top 3 finish wanting to avenge their performance from the year prior. Wartburg, the men from Iowa are going to come in and grab fourth place. And Williams is also my dark horse. I Gatos is a great second for that team but i'm just not sure he showed like the maturity at national meets to be a really reliable low stick for them and so if he has a great day they'll be in the top three if he has an average to below average day they'll be somewhere else
1: i forgot a freshman who finished runner-up in the outdoor 5k doesn't have maturity at national meets to to fit your standards noah
0: I'm just saying he's been I I just I see him as kind of all over the place. Sometimes he's got the talent to be a top five individual for sure, but you just never know. And I think he I, I have a feeling he maybe has been a little banged up this season, but I, I don't have inside information to confirm that.
1: Yeah. Let us know if you're hurt. Give us the inside scoop. <laughs> 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 so tomorrow we'll also release our rankings and. Let's be clear here. Rankings are reflective of what happened at the regional meet. And so it's like where you are going in. Our predictions are exactly that. Predictions, they don't, they're predictions. They're don't. they not going to follow the rankings because rankings are where you're at currently based on your current performance. Predictions, anything can happen. So when we're picking teams that aren't in our rankings, that is why.
0: Any final thoughts before I kind of move to wrap? I hope everyone runs well. That's very nice, Stu.
2: I'm team tights. My girl, but said she was going to wear her tights. You guys. Yeah. Kind of Floor time for it, but
0: we didn't, uh, we didn't select who we think will win the full tights division. What will be the highest finish for an athlete wearing tights? Stu, what, what position were they finished? Don't name the athlete. Just what, what position first you think somebody will win wearing tights and we're not going to say a name. Yes. And Emily, what do you think the highest position for an athlete wearing tights will be this weekend?
2: I'm going to say fifth.
0: I'm going to say seventh. I don't think you can crack the top five in a, in tights at a national meet. I have no data to back this up. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for hanging out with us. For our national meat prediction episode, regional recap episode, I want to encourage everybody again to head to d3glorydays.com, where Emily and Stu have put together a really um, awesome national meat preview article. A lot of the information we talked about today is contained in that article. And so, if you want to supplement your podcast learning, that's a great place to do it. Otherwise, all the links to everything we've talked about are in the show notes below. Um, Stu and I will be on the broadcast this weekend out of Indianapolis, so you'll hear our voice on ncaa.com.
1: Thanks all. Thanks for the support. Make sure you get your Nationals merch. We'll have a a watch guide dropping on Friday as well.
2: Read our preview. We spent a lot of time on it, and it's pretty insightful. So here's to the glory days.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of D3 Glory Days. That was our national meet preview episode. Thanks to Emily for making some time to join us on the air. In addition to her duties on the website, really appreciate her insights into this episode. Athletes, if you're listening, good luck this weekend. Everybody else, we hope you learned a little bit and we're looking forward to connecting with you guys on Saturday. And here's to the glory days.